Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 130, Debunking Keto Myths with special guest Diane Sanfilippo. Becky and I are super excited to have Diane on, and we'll be talking about actually four keto myths. We do say that we're going to do five, but we came to a consensus that uh, pretty much most of the myths out there circulating are easy to debunk, maybe? Is that the right way to say it? I think so. And we also wanted to get a little bit of picking inside of Diane's brain on her hustle and her business side of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Four myths. Yeah, we did four myths. So there's a little moment of false advertising as we say five, but we came to the conclusion that when you're using a whole real food keto approach, that obviously it could be the best diet out there. So we will get into that in a moment. And then like Becky said, yes, um, I definitely have always looked up to Diane and her entrepreneur spirit and all of the businesses that she masters. So we'll go into her bio in a moment before we bring her on. But let's talk a little bit about upcoming events that we have going on in all of the naturally nourished world. So, yes. so when this episode goes live, you have a couple more days to join us before the start of our virtual food as medicine ketosis program on April 10th. And today is the last day if you're listening live to save $50 on the price of that class before it goes up tonight at midnight. Yes. So be mindful of that. Jump on and grab your spot. What is very unique about my 12-week virtual program is that there are protocols specific to help to support you on a functional medicine level. So we have varied tiers of a protocol for adrenal fatigue or hypothyroidism. We have a protocol developed, which is a little bit more... um, I would say abundant or less restrictive for breastfeeding mothers. We also have a protocol to use for teens and kids. So there's definitely a lot of structure. There's a lot of foundational information of how to work with this metabolic approach of nutritional ketosis to still listen to the feedback from your body and honor your body's needs on a structured level. So there is going to be information that you can apply to likely make dynamic change within your diet, but it is not rigid. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And so my whole point of over this 12-week journey is how you can listen to and understand the feedback from your body for whole body optimized health. We talk about leaky gut and food sensitivities. We cover hormone imbalance and dominance. We talk about autoimmune disease. We present different forms of fasting and tons of fun, applicable info on how you can adjust things to work best for your body. And I think what's really cool is that whether you're a beginner or a seasoned keto pro, 
we definitely cater to all levels of information. So there's always something yes. people repeat this class every single time that we do it because the information is always dynamic and changing and improving. So even if you've joined us before or you've been doing keto for a while, this is still an amazing value. So go on over to AllieMillerRD.com backslash ketosis hyphen class to sign up today. Yep. And we'd love to meet you there. So let's get ready to bring on Diane. Diane Sanfilippo is the owner and founder of Balanced Bites, a certified nutrition consultant and two-time New York Times bestselling author of Practical Paleo and the 21 Day Sugar Detox series and co-author of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. Her most recent book is Keto Quick Start, which released on January 1st of this year. Diane holds a Bachelor's of Science from Syracuse University and is a certified holistic nutrition. She's also holistic lifestyle coaching and Poliquin biosignature modulation. Is that right? Did I say that correct? It sounds right. <laughs> She's the, we'll Blaster. let her tell us. Yeah. <laughs> She's the co-creator of the Balanced Bites Masterclass and the co-host of the top rated weekly health podcast that I had the wonderful opportunity to be a part on a couple weeks back, the Balanced Bites podcast. Diane, I'm super pumped to have you on here. And just a couple weeks ago, we had an awesome conversation over on Balanced Bites. And so welcome over to the Naturally Nourished World of Things. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Yes, this is definitely full circle for us. <laughs> yeah, totally. As I remember listening to during my internship, lots and lots of episodes <laughs> of the Balanced Bites podcast. And we used to have Practical Paleo as a resource in our Houston office. Pretty yep, common, and, which I love. I love yes. that. <laughs> kind of a Bible. And I think we also had a copy of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. And we had this like library system for clients. And I'm super stoked about Keto uh, Quick Start. So I know we'll talk about that today as well. Um, and we have a lot of similar concepts on a whole food approach and, you know, identifying keto as being a hormetic influencer and the downstream effects of that. So I just think we have a lot to unpack today. Yeah, I love it. I'm We're on the same page, so I think it'll really help people to maybe hear someone else who, I don't know, has the same take, but slightly, you know, a different voice. Yes. So I know we could just like totally crush on you and have a fan moment <laughs> all day. I totally am over here. You can't see it. Not um, necessary though. <laughs> and just kind of, good, good, good. And just hang out for an hour, but- Today, really what we want to get into is dissecting five top keto myths. And I know you and Allie really connected over the Jillian Michaels rebuttal that we did. So we thought it'd be really fun to just spend some time to break down some of the anti-keto arguments that are bubbling up or common misunderstandings. Um, but I want to start, Diane, with talking a little bit about your own personal journey or experience yeah. with keto. Yeah. So it's funny because a lot of folks know me as you guys do through Practical Paleo. It was my first book that initially released in 2016 and I re-released an updated expanded edition in, oh, sorry. It initially released in 2012 and I released the updated expanded edition in 2016. Um, so for practitioners out there, the hardcover is definitely what I recommend as a desk reference. I'm looking at it on my shelf and I love that book now. Um, but I 
Yeah, I actually was eating keto paleo when I wrote Practical Paleo. So rewind back to about late 2010, and I had been eating paleo for probably almost a year at that point after having gone gluten-free and just kind of like real whole food focus, and I'd been studying nutrition for a while, and I had mostly gotten my own like sugar craving, sugar roller coaster, all of that under control, gotten my digestion back on track. Uh, you know, I used to really struggle with running to the bathroom after meals very frequently. So before I got grains out and all of that, I was really struggling with my digestion, but going paleo helped a ton of that. And I was, again, mostly, you know, I was away from eating any junky stuff, super sugary things, but I was still looking to just kind of lose a little bit of body fat. You know, I kind of roll my eyes at myself now that I'm 40 and not 30 <laughs> back when that was kind of happening because it was probably micromanaging more than I needed to, but I got to learn a lot <laughs> because, um, and we can talk about that if we want, but, um, you know, at the time I had a personal trainer friend who I'm still friends with and he was like, Oh, have you ever tried keto? And I was like, what is that? <laughs> so this was again, back in 2010. And all he told me about it was eat about 30 grams of carbs a day and don't expect to see anything change for about six weeks. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I don't really know how to tell how many carbs I'm eating. So I was tracking and all of that. And as I said, I was already eating paleo. So I was essentially eating dairy-free keto, right? When I went keto, um, I wasn't, there was no such thing as like all these other crazy sweeteners that exist out there besides some stevia or stevia. Um, and I really wasn't using much of that. I was probably following more of the approach that you guys kind of do with just a tiny hint of a real whole sweetener and started mm -hmm. tracking my food. So I have a log uh, example in Keto Quick Start. Folks can see back from 2010 how I was logging my food. And there are actually many other days of that. And that was kind of the beginning of my journey with keto. And um, I was eating keto for about a year and a half pretty solidly with the take that I have in Keto Quick Start, where I kind of have one day a week where I would just, you know, have what I wanted to have. It wasn't ever like a pizza beer bender. That's not the type of food that I would want to have. But, you know, figs were in season in San Francisco. I'm eating figs on Saturday or whatever. Um, and just to make it a sustainable lifestyle. But then... Uh, early 2012, I was kind of getting into the last several months of editing and work on Practical Paleo, and it was an extremely stressful time for me, and keeping my carbs super low at that time, more as a lifestyle practice, I didn't physically, aside from during workouts, I wasn't personally like, physically, I need the carbs. I don't recall having that feeling. It was just more, I wanted the dried mango emotionally, and I didn't want to deal with thinking, well, I can't have it because I'm eating keto. I was like, this is the, I think it was the most stress I'd ever been through in my entire life still to date was finishing that book for the first time. Sure. Um, and I just wanted the dried mango. So I ate the dried mango <laughs> and I basically was like, okay, I'm not going to be eating keto anymore, I guess, for however long. So since then, for the last decade, it's been a tool that I use on and off when I just kind of feel like my body is not where I want it to be. My cravings may have come back a little, or I just feel like I'm eating more carbs than I want to for what I know feels best for me. You know, like sometimes we know better and we don't always do better for a variety of reasons. Um, and so, yeah. And then, you know, more recently, obviously keto became super popular and here I was sitting on this pile of, 
you know, information, experience, expertise on how to do it, what it's all about. And I just was watching what was happening at large and my 21 day sugar detox program, which I also wrote about 10 years ago and have since published three books on a lot of folks finishing that program wanted to go keto. And I, you know, I know there are a few books out there that I, I feel like I can trust what they're telling people, but you guys probably know how this feels at some point. You just want the information that someone's getting to be your information because maybe that's just the control freak in me. But like, I knew that if I gave people my take on keto, it would be what I feel is the healthy way to approach it. What I actually do, it's not going to be loaded with treats and it's going to be a safe, real food way to do it. And I was like, well, I need to give people my way of approaching keto um, and I had a lot of other colleagues and peers who were like, yes, we would love to be able to refer people to your book on keto because we know we can trust it. It'll be sane. It's not going to be loaded with, you know, garbage food and, you know, cheese pretending to be bread, which if you like that, that's fine. I'm not a hater. I just am not that skilled. And I, it's not how I live in my everyday life. Um, but I really felt like there was a need for this type of book just at large. And so, yeah. That's, that's where this came from. I just, I know there's some folks who are like, well, she was the paleo girl. I'm like, I was never one thing. I really just give people the information <laughs> that I think they need so that they don't spin out. You know, like, I don't care right. how somebody eats, frankly. Like if you want to eat paleo, you want to eat keto, you don't, I don't care what you eat. I care that you care what you eat. And I care that you find what works for you in a healthy, same balanced way. Right. And it sounds like I think where you and I align a lot is that intuition or connection with the self. And I think first you have to unlayer the emotional elements, which is kind of that construct of like 21 day sugar detox. You have to break up yeah. first with sugar and, and kind of start this process. And then to make it sustainable, it doesn't have to be compartmentalized to one world or the other. And it's funny because I started clinically working in keto in 20, uh, excuse me, 2009. And um, I remember like the early years of like paleo effects and some of these big paleo movements where keto was like a, a shamed word <laughs> in the paleo community. So there was this dichotomy, I believe for a while, and now it's kind of merging. And, and, and it's, it's not about, I don't believe assigning a, a name or a category. I, I mean, even within the world of keto, right. Then there's keto carnivore, then there's, um, you know, how long are you fasting? Are you doing it right? There's all this policing that occurs with food. And when we get there, that's when we just get a bunch of information without outcomes um, and so I think it's so important to have that, that personal connection of honoring and nourishing your body in the way that your body needs to be nourished. Yeah. And I think also, you know, one of the reasons why I didn't talk a ton about keto until I wrote the book, which is very weird. Like most people don't just like, ta-da, here's a whole <laughs> book about a thing that I've only barely talked about in the last 10 years, but you know, I kind of stopped blogging because blogging is not really my thing. Podcasting really became like, I'm just better at talking than I am at writing, which is weird because I've written all these books, but it's the hardest thing I do is actually sitting down and trying to think and give information in a linear fashion. Like that's a, that's so challenging for me, but it's also really rewarding when it's done. But uh, several years ago, I made these videos about keto and what I was doing for myself and the questions just were pouring in. And I, I'm, 
I get it that people want to get a one-off Q&A, you know, on the internet, on YouTube, you know, they want to go to your Instagram and just like get a, get a question answered really quickly. But what I think is the most helpful for everyone and for those people who are trying to tune into their own, is this right for me intuition is to get the full context so that you understand what's happening. You understand the intent, you understand the how to, and then you make an informed decision because I can't help you make an informed decision based on your question of, is this food keto or not? Which we can talk about that too, because I know we feel the same way. Um, but do you know what I'm saying? Like people want to try the thing and I'm all for the enthusiasm, but I'm kind of like simmer down for one second because you don't really even know what you're doing here. And, and the reality is everyone's getting like a bunch of biohacking advice thrown at them when the whole concept is way more simple than it and anybody <laughs> makes it. I'm like, literally don't eat carbs. Your body will be forced into ketosis at some point. Now right. there's a lot of other things to, you know, mix in there, but I was told 30 grams, six weeks. And I did just fine for a very long time. You know what I mean? Like there were not books that were 400 pages with a million recipes. It was literally like 30 grams, six weeks, you know, not only do it for six weeks, don't expect to see anything really change for about six weeks. So um, I wanted to give people all the background, answer all the questions. I, I still never write a book where you have to read 300 pages, right? It's about a hundred pages of quote reading before you get into recipes and all that. But I think that once you have that context, then we can start the Q and a, you right. know, the additional conversation, because I'm like, until we're at the same place of understanding, I don't really want to answer the one-off questions because I, we're spinning our wheels. You know what I mean? Like I'm just wasting time because we're not even starting from the same page. Does that make sense? So I think that to get someone to the place where they can tune in, like, okay, is this going to be working for me? I can't just tell you eat this way and then ask questions along the way. Like that's, I don't know, maybe that's an approach some people like to take, but I like for people to really read and understand what's going to happen, know what to expect. So that then in a week when they say, I don't feel well, I'm like, yeah, that's normal. Stay with it. You know, you might not feel better for a few weeks and then go from there. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, I digress. <laughs> yes. No, love it. And, and it is, it's, it's having that foundation of the, the why so that you can connect the what is happening and then the what you can do about it. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think that it's, it's nice and we're excited to bring you on here because of course our audience being very familiar with keto uh, and probably also my high powered hose biochemistry and whatnot, we're like, let's bring Diane on here to give her the opportunity to, to hash out some of these myths of probably a lot of the questions that you've been asked on book tour <laughs> as the popular Q and A's or the misinformed media questions um, and get your perspective and spin on it. And um, I think Becky and I will, will jive in and um, let's do it. Sure. Yeah. All right. I'll start us off with the first one. Uh, the ketogenic diet is hard on your kidneys and your organs in general. <laughs> well, first and foremost, I think if people are saying that as the ketogenic diet, I think what they're trying to imply is a higher protein ketogenic diet, which I actually advocate for. I think that people should be focused on protein first when they're trying to eat keto, if they are looking for fat loss, which I would estimate, I don't know, 80 to 90% of people who go keto are looking for fat loss. So 
okay, with the base understanding that this is potentially higher protein than someone is used to eating in a normal functioning human with adequate uh, metabolic function, your kidneys are working as expected. You do not have diagnosed kidney disease. We are not actually eating protein to any major excess. So, you know, the fact that someone would say, and I'm doing the air quotes saying it's hard on your kidneys, I would say (laughs) compared to what? Compared right. to a high sugar, high processed food diet, compared to, um, you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think sometimes people throw these things out there and they say, oh, it's hard on this or it's too much that. And I always like to say, compared to what? Right. And I mean, the number one cause for dialysis, which is basically mm-hmm. a machine that externally right. works as your kidney because your filtration is not functioning is uncontrolled diabetes. Mm-hmm. And so I think I totally agree that that blood sugar management is key. And I think the other misnomer with the, the heart on your kidneys, I think protein's right on as the first hit and totally agree that protein is most satiating, right? So great entry point. And if you're chasing fat in your keto, you're probably not going to get successful body fat mm-hmm. loss. So totally agree there too. I think the other element is acidosis, that confusion of that mm-hmm. ketoacidosis and nutritional ketosis. Yes, ketoacidosis is very harmful on your kidneys and it throws off the pH of your blood and your kidneys having a role in pH regulation obviously are impacted. But ketoacidosis can only occur in a non-managed insulin-dependent diabetic that is also accompanied with elevated blood sugar levels, right? Like blood sugar levels in the 250 plus. So you can't go into ketoacidosis in nutritional ketosis and carb restriction is generally speaking, not going to be unfavorable on your kidneys. So yes. (laughs) Yeah. I think people really confuse the whole ketoacidosis thing because I'm like, you understand that this is almost a physical impossibility, except in the case of a type one diabetic or perhaps a type two, like you said, who's uncontrolled. If you're eating for nutritional ketosis, unless you are eating super low carb and then go on a bender one day, right? Which is why I don't don't know what you recommend for a type one. I don't recommend going fully into nutritional ketosis for a type one diabetic. I think a very low carb diet to help manage and lower insulin requirement for a type one is a great idea. And I think the ideal approach, I don't necessarily think getting into ketosis is the best approach for a type one. It doesn't mean they couldn't or shouldn't if they don't want to and think that they can manage it well. But I think that they do then run the risk. Like if you want to have a day where you have some more carbs and you're not amazing at managing your insulin in response to it, I just think that that's a little bit more walking a line that is not that necessary. Um, but I do think folks confuse that. I'm like, listen, if you have a normal functioning metabolism and you're in nutritional ketosis for however long, and one day you eat carbohydrates, you're kicked out of ketosis pretty quickly. You're not, you can't have those ketones present while the glucose is present. It's just not, it's not a possibility if you actually have insulin that's going to respond. So anyway, they won't won't have that experience. Right. And I think unfortunately the issue is the, the word ketosis is only in medical mm-hmm. literature when physicians and nurse practitioners are learning about this. It's, it's as a risk factor. Right. And so I, I think we just need updates on that as far as metabolic processes. And and I mean, I think it's, as, as I hear from any doctor I've interviewed, less than a week no, <laughs> of their education. No. So, you know, yeah. 
Okay, let's go on to myth two. Um, so how about the ketogenic diet is bad for your heart health? Sorry, I was muting you guys. I had to clear my throat there. <laughs> so, um, bad for your heart health again. This presumes that there is there's an assumption, right? The assumption here is that eating more fat and cholesterol is bad for your health. I'm gonna throw that out there because that's what I think most people are leaning on as their kind of underlying, unfortunately, quite incorrect assumption. Yeah, more air quotes. There's a lot yeah, of air quotes going on. Yeah, today. <laughs> so, so first and foremost, we need to, again, I think, you know, to your point about what is it that actually leads to inflammation that leads to increased, you know, potentially increased cholesterol and increased uh, inflammatory processes that cholesterol would respond to. Because again, I'm making all these assumptions about what the average person thinks is bad for your heart, right? They think high cholesterol <clears throat> or they think um, eating saturated fat. So in, right. in my book, I actually kind of talk about what's happening when you're eating a standard American diet and the flip side and burning fat and, and the idea of what happens with our cholesterol. So people can really understand a lot more of that when you read the book. But I think that we need to have a baseline of understanding that when you eat saturated fat, which is a hard at room temperature fat to most people, something like butter, right? It doesn't remain hard when you eat it and digest it, metabolize it. Like I think that there's this mental picture of I eat the solid butter and then it remains solid and it quote like blocks my arteries. I really think that a lot of folks believe that perhaps not your listeners, but perhaps their friends sure. and parents and you know what I'm saying? Um, and if that were yeah. true, then eating a piece of broccoli would do the same thing because it's quite rigid. <laughs> so I think for one, people need to understand what happens when we digest and assimilate the molecules of our food, that they're fully broken down into sizes that we can't see, right? Except under our microscopes. We have digestive enzymes, we have bile, we have hydrochloric acid in our stomach. All this stuff is breaking down our food. And I think that I know that sounds super basic, but there are a lot of people who do not physically understand that our food will break down into these microscopic molecules. So, mm -hmm. And it doesn't just float through our body and then lodge itself in our arteries. That doesn't happen. So there's that part of it. I think helping people to understand that eating cholesterol in the food in your diet has never been shown to actually have an effect on raising blood or serum cholesterol. A half of 1% right. is about how much the cholesterol in your diet affects the cholesterol in your blood. Um, we do see some impact from saturated fat on cholesterol, but it tends to be raising HDL, which is the quote, you know, again, air quotes, good cholesterol. So eating things like egg yolks and coconut oil can help folks to see an increase in HDL. You know, there are some people who have some uh, genetic predisposition. If their saturated fat intake is super high, they may see a different uh, adjustment in their cholesterol levels. And I think then we get into understanding not only the role of cholesterol, the ranges that are healthy or perhaps showing a sign of um, a metabolic dysfunction. So again, something like LDL cholesterol um, or LDL low density lipoprotein being over 200, that doesn't mean you're unhealthy. It actually may mean your thyroid is not working properly. So we don't right. know, we need to look at um, cholesterol as a sign, not the problem. Cholesterol is going to raise to where it needs to be 
to adjust to potentially inflammation or problems within the body or to make more hormones. So for women, we typically see ranges 20 plus points higher than what we see in average for men in a healthy female who needs to make all of the sex hormones that we need to make as women, which are more than what men need to make. That being said, I had a male client many years ago who had extremely low cholesterol and was on a statin drug and his testosterone was in the tank. And I was like, I am not surprised. Yep. You need cholesterol to make testosterone. You need cholesterol to make all of your female sex hormones. So if you're experiencing hormonal imbalances, but you're constantly stressed out, over-exercising, drinking too much alcohol, all these things are going to affect your cholesterol. So I think that when people make these broad statements, there's a lot of assumptions. And I think it's the assumptions that we need to unpack first. And then I think your approach too, which you can, you're welcome to kick in with is now that we've dismantled the unfortunately very false set of beliefs that we have around what fat and cholesterol's roles are maybe, you know, within heart health, let's look at what's actually causing the problem in terms of inflammation and what's making it a less healthy environment for our heart overall in the body. And typically that's going to be refined foods, processed foods, sugar, uh, artificial ingredients, again, high stress, no exercise, poor muscle uh, definition and density in our body, alcohol, environmental toxins, et cetera. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. It, it, it's That was really good unpacking as far as right foundationally. What what's what are we demonizing and why? And uh, our listeners, luckily, last episode we had Dr. Nadir Ali, who's a, a cardiologist, and just very eloquently <laughs> goes into all of things heart disease and, and and the influence on women is extremely important to acknowledge as well. I've only seen clinically HDL increase uh, in people that transition to ketosis. And it is important to acknowledge that, yes, your lipid profile is going to change because you are making a dynamic metabolic shift in your body, especially if you were coming from a more standard American diet. But it's important to acknowledge that we know that we also metabolize triglycerides to make ketones. So you likely will also see a reduction in triglycerides. And then LDL is going to shift in different ways based on hormone as the primary modulator. I, I couldn't agree more with that. So yeah, the keto diet can totally be healthy for heart health. It can be rich in omega-3s. It can be rich in carnitine, which is in our red meat, which is protective for heart health. Um, and I think often we dismantle a lot of that and just look at the old archaic understanding of egg, cholesterol, bad, even though a conservative body yeah. like the American Heart Association has liberalized restrictions of dietary milligrams of cholesterol. So I, I totally oh, agree. Yeah. And even the general kind of my plate, or I don't even know what it's called now, but the USDA, which, you know, US Department of, Department of Agriculture telling us what to eat, is obviously a logical, you know, body of the government to tell us how to eat, but I digress. Um, in Keto Quick Start, so for folks who may have seen or are familiar with Practical Paleo, I have 14 different meal plans for different health concerns or goals and just kind of ways to approach paleo in that book or even just real food eating in the book. So in Keto Quick Start, I kind of took a similar approach and I do have notes for heart health, for example, and it's not quite a full page and it's just, hey, if you have a diagnosed heart condition, consult, consult a physician who's informed on this stuff. And also here are some nutrients that are really important to be sure that you're getting on your keto diet. And the reason that I take that approach is, as you said, you know, it's not this shift in metabolic function 
that is going to be the problem for your heart. It could be potentially, what are all the other factors? And, you know, I don't really have a problem with somebody going from their high sugar, high processed food diet to burger patties with cheese and whatever it's going to be for the first few weeks just to make a transition if that's what is easy for them and it gets them to make a change. However, in the grand scheme of things and in the longer term and making this a lifestyle, I need you to be getting vitamin C and, you know, alpha lipoic acid. And as you said, omega threes, potassium, selenium, zinc, et cetera. Like I need you to be getting these nutrients from your diet to ensure that you're going to have appropriate heart health. So I think that that's one of the things that comes up with keto is that there's this picture, you know, thanks to social media in many ways. And also it's, it's a blessing and a curse, but there's a picture of what people think or know about keto that may or may not be the most ideal to, way to eat for heart health while eating keto. Does that make sense? Like having this way of eating that includes leafy greens, that includes, uh, you know, a full scope of nutrients versus a nutrient poor approach to just getting into ketosis. So I do think that that's something that people need to consider as well. I love that you said that and that transitions really well, I think, into our our next myth. But yeah, I can't tell you how many times I have a client that comes running to me having run their cholesterol six weeks into keto and their doctor is like screaming they're going on a statin. I'm like, whoa, slow your roll. Like, let's understand what was looked at. Let's understand the full picture of inflammation in your body. Let's talk about particle size because I doubt your doctor ran that if they're screaming at you about keto. So there's so much to to unpack even within that. But um, our next myth here is that the ketogenic diet is full of highly processed ingredients and low in antioxidants. And I think our listeners know that this isn't true, but I want to hear your take. I think it's going to be really similar to ours. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it can be, right? I mean, to get into ketosis, all that's required is to not be eating glucose beyond a certain point, which the point at which different people's bodies adapt to ketosis or, you know, using ketones for fuel will be different. We kind of throw out this 30, some people say 20, some people say 40 or 50 grams of carbs. It's somewhere in that range where when you're not eating more than, I'll just say 30, because that's what's in my book, 30 grams of net carbs. When you're not eating more than that, your body really has no choice but to start burning fat for fuel and um, making ketones and using them. So, so that's the like (laughs) most basic element And for a lot of people looking at this from a whole real food view is not critical. Like all they want to do is get their body into ketosis and help it burn more fat for fuel so that they can lose body fat. Now, okay. I mean, there isn't, there isn't some kind of rule, right? Where it's like, no, but you have to do this. You have to do that. And when the original ketogenic diet was formulated, I mean, I'm sure you guys have lots of details on this, but I'm sure there were poor quality fats in there, margarine. Uh, You know, it was really focused on high fat, low carb, and it wasn't something that originally was looking at, okay, we need to be getting the highest quality fats into this child that we're trying to prevent epileptic seizures in. It was really more, can we get this therapeutic response from removing the glucose and what do we put into the diet instead? 
But now we know that not only are there more benefits to being in ketosis if you're able to get in healthy fats that include especially things like medium chain triglycerides, but we can be eating a whole range of antioxidant rich vegetables, um, unprocessed foods being the focus. As I said, when I first ate keto, I was eating paleo first. So that will tell you inherently what I was looking at was food quality first, macronutrients second. And I think that my point earlier about folks who are eating, let's say a burger patty with cheese, again, I'm not a hater. Like if that's what gets somebody over. If like I had people asking at a book signing, my husband will only eat a steak and broccoli and he's been doing this for weeks and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, do you hear what you're saying? Like your husband is eating <laughs> steak and broccoli. It's okay. You know, give it some time. Eventually maybe he'll get bored. Maybe not, you know, right. Um, some people like to eat the same things all the time. That's a whole other topic is like the habits that we have and how many foods we want to eat. But I think that there's a few different things to look at. And, you know, the reason why I wanted to write my book the way I did was to show people this is also keto. Like, yes, eating a burger with melted cheese on top and avocado. Yes, that's keto and bacon. That's, that's keto. That's going to help your body get into ketosis. You're not eating carbs, but also eating spinach and kale is going to do the same thing but it's also going to be higher in antioxidants and help lower inflammation of the body. And in the long term, I really think that if somebody's going to eat keto for the long term and make this into a lifestyle, we can't ignore the inflammatory response that our body's going to have to poor quality fats, to poor quality sweeteners, to the lack of antioxidants in vegetable foods that we can get. Or if you want to be doing the carnivore approach, getting in your organ meats, getting in your egg yolks and eating really high quality meats and seafood in order to also get a bunch of antioxidants that you can get from animal foods. So I think that that's kind of the approach that, that we all take and, you know, keto can be low in antioxidants. It definitely can, yeah. but that's up to the individual user and it's personal responsibility. And I, I would not beat up on somebody who for the first few weeks or even few months isn't there because I think that what we often forget when we're not practitioners. So folks at large might be eating keto and they're trying to tell their, you know, uncle how to do it. And their uncle's like, listen, I'm just eating burger patties. That's what I can handle. Like let, let them be because to get somebody to change anything about what they eat is extremely difficult, especially when there's a ton of guilt and shame associated with a negative health impact that's happened from that way of eating. I mean, the moment somebody realizes I was in control of this and this might be my fault, there's a ton of emotion and again, guilt and shame that's packed behind it. So if you pile onto that with, and you're now doing it wrong, I think that that's right. more harmful than it is good. Let them come around. We saw this in paleo too. Folks went paleo. They made a million treats. They weren't losing the weight they thought. They weren't having the health benefits. And eventually they realized, I probably can't be eating paleo cookies every day if I want to have the health benefits. Like People will learn, give them the benefit of the doubt, but give them the time and space to be able to learn and make changes at a pace that's appropriate for them. Totally. And there's so many different entry points, and we're all coming from a different story. And these are hard-ingrained words that comprise the story of our relationship with food. And uh, however you get there, wherever you are, you know, it's making peace with that. And I think that that's so huge as a piece of the puzzle. And I think we, all three of us agree very strongly that 
if you don't tolerate vegetables, if you don't tolerate botanicals that have anti-inflammatory support and what, what, what have you, that that may be a part of your journey. And then that's the time to work with a functional practitioner to understand why you aren't so that you can optimize maybe your digestive enzyme status or repair your gut integrity. Maybe you need to do a three-day bone broth fast or what have you to reduce the stress of the anti-nutrients in plants. But over time, to make this a sustainable lifestyle, it needs to have diversity of texture, of color, of flavor. And I, I think that you know, all of us are in that agreement that that diversity is where you'll get the most complex nutrient density, and that's going to make the most therapeutic diet at the end. Okay, so let's hit two more, and then I have other fun stuff I want to get into. So the ketogenic diet is low in fiber and bad for detox and digestion. Maybe um, since we kind of hit that with like the processed foods and low antioxidant capacity. Let's just talk about maybe how you can support healthy digestion with a keto diet, Mm -hmm. Diane. Well, I think the first thing to remember too is that if you're eating a high carb diet and especially high sugar, you know, I, I typically will compare keto to more of a standard American diet than comparing keto to like a paleo whole foods way approach. Because to me, um, Otherwise, it's like six of one, half a dozen of the other. It's just a metabolic difference. Um, The actual composition of what's on your plate shifts just a little bit between those, right? So from paleo to keto, you might just basically not be eating dairy on paleo, and then you're eating it again if you can on keto. So I like to compare it more to that. So when we say bad for digestion, again, eating a diet that's not including probiotic rich foods, eating a diet that includes high sugar, high refined foods, carbohydrates that are feeding the wrong type of gut bacteria, potentially leading to uh, candida overgrowth and that type of thing. That's a way worse approach. We can get tons of fiber and I encourage people to eat foods that are rich in fiber, including things like nuts and seeds, chia seeds, I have chia seed pudding. I know we talked about that um, on my interview with you over on Balance Bites, but plenty of fiber to be had in this way of eating. Um, And in terms of detox, I think a lot of people are really confused about what supports liver detox. And some of the things that are most supportive of liver detox are protein. The amino acids we get from proteins are extremely supportive of liver detox. Um, Choline, which we're getting from egg yolks and liver. B vitamins, again, we're getting from liver, from all different types of protein sources. All of those are extremely supportive of detox, which is one of the reasons why, listen, if somebody wants to go on a three-day detox juice cleanse, whatever, whatever floats your boat. I am not going to tell you not to do anything, but you really do need protein and choline and B vitamins and sulfur. Yeah. From our cruciferous vegetables. And, you know, we need that to support liver detox. And, you know, I have a video from a million years ago. that's like foods to help you detox. And that's exactly what it is. It's everything we just mentioned. So I think that's what people need to understand. Um, And for me, one of the sort of soapboxes that I get on with any way of eating and with keto, because, you know, people will always find their way to make something keto friendly. Um, I think that people need to look at their alcohol consumption as a really uh, primary issue when you're talking about detox and liver detox. If you're drinking alcohol and you're not detoxifying properly from heavy metals, from environmental toxins, if your, if your metabolism is not optimal, if you have metabolic dysfunction and you're drinking alcohol, to me, it's like, I almost don't even want to go further 
I mean, I used to have that when I would work with clients and if they're smoking, I'm like, I can't talk about eating carrots with you if you're smoking cigarettes. Like I just, you know what I mean? If you're drinking diet soda, if you're smoking, if you're drinking alcohol and you're telling me your metabolism is not healthy, your cholesterol is not healthy. Like I need you to pull the nail out of your forehead before we can move forward. Yeah. Like that's the nail in your forehead. You know, that YouTube video or like the girls complaining about a problem. Oh, I mean, so I'm good. the diet in this video. <laughs> um, do you know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, and every medical doctor I've talked to about that, I've been like, am I overstating this? No. If you're drinking alcohol, your body's primary function when that alcohol comes in is to detoxify alcohol. So when we're looking at optimizing our metabolism, um, you know, optimizing for ketones, anything we're trying to do, I mean, listen, fine. People are going to eat keto and drink alcohol and still be in ketosis. Whatever you're going to do, I'm not going to argue. But somebody who's trying to get healthier and you're concerned about detox... I need you to stop drinking. Okay. That was my <laughs> yeah. My step down. I, I love that. I reference that video all the time. It's not the nail. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, especially with my husband trying to quote unquote. Well, fix I, I also, if anybody listening is a Vanderpump Rules fan, um, there's a new quote that I like to use, which so this will hit a very obscure corner of your audience, but it's like there's this whole scene where they're like, it's not about the pasta. And it's like this argument about something totally different, but they're like, that's the expression they're using. So I keep wanting to say that like, it's not about the pasta. It's not about all these other things. Like you have to be focused on, yeah, those, just those major needle movers, you know? Yes. I'm a Vanderpump rules kind of girl myself. That's another layer, Diane. Becky doesn't have cable. So here we are. <laughs> There's just something about being into really nerdy things and then being like, you know what? When I eat my lunch, I need I a just, brain coma. Like, I want to, that's how I numb out. Girl. Like, I will watch Housewives Me or too. Vanderpump rules. I'm like, it's my thing. That's my thing. I just got Becky on Real Housewives in New York, so she's been like downloading by season. It's I'm the like the best one because nobody's actually even a housewife. I know. On that show, so <laughs> no, they're yeah. not. So great. So great. I love it. <laughs> okay. Um and then No, I think do we're we gonna hit our last myth alley or yeah. should we just let's just okay, we're gonna go with four instead of five, you guys. If you call us out, then whatever. Um <laughs> But I want to take a little bit of time um, for us to talk about the Balanced Bites meals, Diane, and um, really to transition into kind of the journey of an entrepreneur and, and ask you some questions about that. Before we go there, let's just take a brief pause for a word from our sponsor for this episode, CrowdCow. This episode of the Naturally Nourished podcast is sponsored by CrowdCow, which we're super stoked to have on as our sponsor. And I personally have been changed forever by their ground beef, which is dry aged, pasture raised beef. It's amazing. It doesn't leak, which is awesome and can't be said about a lot of frozen meat providers. And um, the moisture content and flavor and complexity is phenomenal. Uh, one thing that I really love about CrowdCow is that they provide the connection for the consumer to the farmer. So they provide the very best craft meat direct farm to your table, and you actually get to virtually meet the small independent ranch who produces the beef and connect the story of your dinner. 
And what's super cool is they're not a subscription service. So you don't have beef showing up when you don't need it or want it, um, or you're on vacation or something. So you're picking the exact cuts that you want and having it delivered straight to your door. And in addition to beef, they're also doing pasture raised chicken and pork and so lamb even and now lamb. Yeah, mm -hmm. for spring. Yep. Um, and we had their beef actually this weekend. We were camping and we used their ground beef in our cast iron one skillet meal. And it was so good. Yes. I think Stella's going to be changed forever as well. Yeah. <laughs> So what's really fun is you can select as you're looking at the independent farm and you're purchasing your meats, you can select whether it's 100% grass-fed, grass-finished, um, or if it's pasture grain-finished beef based on your unique health goals and flavor preference. And they have some fantastic high level, like we're saying craft, meaning just top quality Wagyu, um, which is to have won the Wagyu Olympics, the A5 uh, from Japan. And um, Becky and I also had the honor of trying that. And it was just phenomenal. Umami flavors melt in your mouth. It's worth the indulgence of the experience. Uh, and I, I think that it's just amazing. You've got to try it. Um, so if you want to experience farm to table and quality production and understanding the story and what goes into your food, definitely go on over and check out CrowdCow. Go to crowdcow.com and backslash naturally nourished for $25 off at your checkout. Okay. So I loved building a badass business podcast and totally align with your hustle mentality. Um, so in 2012 is when I opened my private practice from working with physicians. And I think that at that time is maybe when I was kind of grinding on some of those episodes. And, um, I loved at one point you said something about like <laughs> this social media disconnect of this like glamor element of growing a business and how like, you're not going to make it if you don't know how to hustle and put your nose to the grindstone. And I remember like, you know, still to this day, mm -hmm. shoot, I might run an event and I'm like taking out my own trash, you know, like all of the pieces of the puzzle. And I always, remember that kind of resonating very strongly, like you got to go and get it. And I think we see these people sipping their matchas under the perfect lighting on Instagram, right? And we're like, oh, that's how you build a badass business. So I just want to unpack some of that and your kind of mindset of, of being a hustler. Well, a lot of the folks that I talk to around business are health coaches. So look, if you want to be an Instagram influencer as your gig, then sip your matcha and take a pretty picture of it. But if you're trying to actually build a different business, which I mean, I don't think building a business on a platform that you don't control is a good idea. Yes. So <laughs> not diversification just, of your, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't have control of that. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, we presume this platform will exist. However. Okay. So, um, it's not a, it's not a business based on something deeper and it's also not necessarily a business based on um, what the folks who I'm again, primarily talking to health coaches are trying to build. So I'm so glad that social media didn't exist when I was in the depths of my own grind, which I'm still in quite frankly, like I still every day, I don't struggle with, the same type of self-doubt that I think a lot of folks deal with just inherently. It's just, it's kind of not my personality. Um, but I still feel like, what am I doing? What is the end game? I have no idea. I'm still, 
I'm still doing the things. I'm still constantly grinding. I'm still on a 15 city book tour for two months because you don't just like release a book and it's expected to sell. You still have to do the work. So, um, because I talk to mostly health coaches and I'm guessing a lot of health coaches listen to this show as well. Yes, for sure. Your people who you're going to help, they need to meet you in real life. And I don't care if it's you do a talk and two people show up or 200 people show up. You need to be meeting people in real life. Where I built my business for years was teaching seminars. And most people don't still know about that unless they are still following me, which many of them are because social media was barely a thing, right? So in in the time in the last six years or so has not been as heavily focused on seminars. Otherwise, people would have seen that and they would know that that's what I was doing. So I met thousands of people in real life who eventually when social media kind of became the place for us to continue the conversation, they had been in a room with me for anywhere from three to eight hours while I was teaching about nutrition, you know, helping them to change their lives. This is before I wrote Practical Paleo and before I released Sugar Detox books and all of this stuff. So I think that people miss uh, misappropriate social media as like the business versus the highlights of what I'm actually doing. Does that make sense? Like, Social media is just kind of the picture after. It shouldn't be, I don't think, the whole thing. Like even folks like Gary Vaynerchuk, right, who's just like the hustle guy, what he posts is a clip from a talk he gave. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, or it's a clip from a podcast he did. So I want people to be creating content, to be writing blog posts, to be creating ebooks, to be teaching seminars. Like I always encourage people to be teaching in their local community first and foremost. Right. And I still right. do it. You know, even if it's a Lululemon that asked me to come do a talk and I'm like, okay, well I get this discount. So I may as well still be doing the talk. <laughs> and literally three people sometimes show up to my talk. And I, mm -hmm. I'm not like, I'm honestly not shocked by that. I'm like some, there's some people on the internet who think I'm quote, so famous or have this big following. Like, listen, I'm going to do a talk and nobody's going to show up and it's going to happen to me too. And it's, Fine, because you don't know when that one person who came really needed your message or their mom really needed your message or whoever it is, or you just needed to eat some humble pie again for a day. But at the same time, you're not that special at the same time impacting one person is the point. Like you make a difference when you impact one person. So I think that social media makes people feel somehow they're getting the wrong vibe from it. They're getting the vibe that I should be talking to more people than I am. And I'm like, why don't you notice that this opportunity to talk to three people or 30 people from your living room couch is so freaking cool. And why don't you just be grateful that it's there instead of feeling like, well, I should have more people. It's like, no, no, you're lucky you have those 30. You don't even know them. So be right. grateful for that. Talk to them, build with them build in your local community and everything will continue to grow. And you don't want growth because I have seen this. Okay. You don't want growth that's on the surface and that's social media based just because you had some slick marketing because the minute you need to convert those people to spending money so that you can actually survive and, you know, eat and pay the bills. Um, they're not going to buy your thing. If everything you've ever done has been this free shiny stuff on social media, because now you've trained them for that. So 
I was consulting with some folks a long time ago who, you know, had an Instagram account that grew really, really big because they were super generous with it and shared recipes in every post. And it was like, that's the content. That was the meat. And I'm not against being super generous and educating online. I think educating online is really important and offering value. But that to me is not the most, um, it's not the place to provide the most value, the most depth and the most education if you're trying yeah. to build a business. So, you know, I write a book, like not everyone will have that opportunity and I recognize that, but so then the advice that I give to my health coaches is provide value, teach people things, connect with them on social media, but create a program where you go deeper, create an ebook, do something where you go deeper and maybe it's offering your coaching services, but that's where people need to pay you for what you're doing. So whatever, I'm on a total tangent here. I don't even know where. No, but an anchor. People are looking at social media as something that I think it can be, but it isn't and shouldn't be to the folks who are new. Right. There's, there always has to be an anchor or, or something that's foundationally purposeful. And I, I think that that's really important to highlight. Unless right? you're just trying to be an Instagram right. influencer. And I'm not saying right. just right. as it's a bad thing. I'm saying just as it's right. the beginning and end. And that's not mm-hmm. what most of yeah. the people who we know are looking for. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, providing that authentic connection, like you said, comes through. I follow you on social media and it does come through for sure. Um, Diane, and and having that anchor to a product, you're really, really good at that. So let's talk about um, Balanced Bites Meals and kind of how um, that came about with the launch and and vision for that has been. Oh my goodness. I know it's brand new. So crazy. So yeah, that just launched um, within the last couple months. And for anyone who has followed my journey, will know that there were seeds planted for that also about um, more than a decade ago now. So Balance Bites is the name of my blog and podcast and all of that. Um, but the name actually came about in late 2007. I was, I was cooking meals for friends just out of my house and I was balancing them to different macronutrient needs uh, based on what I learned from working with a nutritionist, based on what I learned from my trainer uh, who had done a Czech holistic lifestyle coaching certification back then, which I also did, and um, different needs based on activity levels, goals, etc. So a friend of mine helped me name the company because I was like, oh, I'm balancing this differently for people. So we called it Balance Bites um, and doing that out of my house. Then eventually I wanted to really make it a business. So don't know who I thought I was, but I went and got food safety certification, decided to start sourcing my ingredients. You know, locally I was buying from some high quality grass fed meat producers, all of that. And I started cooking meals for clients in early 2008 and was delivering meals around San Francisco and to a gym, which for anyone who goes to balancebites.com and hits the meals page, you can see a photo of the cooler that I had and these cooler bags and I used to deliver these meals. So I was doing this myself with one kitchen assistant more than a decade ago. And I only ran it for maybe six plus months because I just burned out. And at the time, so remember this is before I studied nutrition more deeply At the time, I remember feeling like I need to teach a man to fish. Like, I don't want to do it for people. I really need to teach people Mm -hmm. how to do this for themselves. Well, 10 years of teaching people how to do it for themselves and providing resources, (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, I've definitely covered that. And for folks who might not have, 
you know, the flexible cash to buy meals that someone else makes, I've created more than enough resources to help somebody help themselves at this point in time. Um, and I remember talking to my friend, Tony Cassandrinos, who owns Cassandrinos Olive Oil. It's a family company. He and his sister and some cousins run it, which is, I love it. It's like such a Greek thing. The whole family is involved. Um, I'm sort of an extended part of their family. I remember talking to him. Uh, they currently sell the spices that I have created as well. And I was like, you know, one day I think I want to make meals again somehow. I don't know if I'll do like bowls or like frozen or like what I'll do. And I'm not even kidding, within a month after that conversation, the opportunity to do just that fell into my lap. Like, and it was kind of something that I probably should have realized was possible sooner because I have some amazing connections just that I've built over the last you know decade. Um, but the opportunity presented itself and it was like, hey, do you want to do this? I was like, yes, I do want to do this. I've been talking about this and I can't even believe that you're asking me. So... <laughs> <laughs> we went into production because I already have recipes. We pulled recipes from Keto Quick Start, adapted them to what would work for something frozen with, you know, some adjustments with some sides, you know, mixed in. And, you know, a couple months later, here we were launching it. And I'm super pumped. It's been going awesome. amazingly well. It's so rewarding to be able to offer that different solution you know, it's like, I love watching people cook my recipes. I also love this idea that somebody who just had a baby, you can send them meals. You are a busy person. You're traveling yeah. a lot. You want to come home to meals or you have a kid and you're like, listen, sometimes getting lunch on the table is not happening. Well, if you can just heat up something that's already cooked, that's literally made from the same ingredients that you would make it with. There's not a single additive in these to make them preserved in any way, just because we don't need to do that. They're frozen and vacuum sealed. Or, you know, I had a woman recently who got surgery and brought the meals to the hospital so that they could just heat them up. You know, you don't have to microwave them, but you can. So that convenience factor is there. And for her, like at that point, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, you're not eating hospital food. Not only you're not eating hospital food, you're eating the best quality food you can be eating, real food. And so if it's microwave, it's microwaved, right? At that point, you're like, that's the least of your concerns. Um, but then it's like all these nurses right. are like, where'd you get that? I need that. You know, and just, just getting this stuff <laughs> to help make people's lives easier. It's so fun and so rewarding. And all these people for years have been like, can you cook for me? I'm like, yes, I can. Now I can cook for you. Here you go. Balanced baked meal. Let me cook for you. Yeah. Yes. And I love having them <laughs> I too. It. I had a day oh, last weekend. My husband was gone. He was golfing all day. And I was like, oh my God, this is, I didn't remember what it was like to just cook for myself, you know, for one person. I was like, I don't even want to, I'm going to heat up a meal and I'm good to go. And, and as a foodie still enjoying them. And I love how you, you'll just like top them with fresh herbs and it's like, Hey, this is just as fantastic as it'd be if I freeze batch. Yeah, at home. totally. Or if I made it fresh, honestly. And I always, I always top fresh food with something, um, or yeah. cooked food. I always top it with something fresh or cold or tangy, like sour cream or, um, you know, pickled or whatever, marinated onions, that kind of thing. I always do that anyway. So yeah, it's been really fun, honestly. 
Um, so folks are listening and you're like, wait, what? I can get real food meals. There's keto. Um, currently there's a keto box or a paleo box. It's the same meals, but in the paleo box, we just double a couple of them because there's two meals in the keto box that have cheese. So if you can't do cheese, then those won't be in the paleo. Um, we do use ghee in the cooking. I consider that paleo. If somebody is like super reactive to ghee, then just wait. Eventually we'll have enough meals that, you know, are only made with olive oil and you'll be able to kind of build a box, but we have to, we have to build up our customer base before we're able to offer that build a box option because these are not cooked. You know, we don't have like 10,000 of these sitting somewhere just waiting. Um, you know, we kind of cook them in much smaller batches, a little bit more to order so that we can make sure that they're super fresh. So it's been amazing. That's yeah. so awesome. 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 Incredible. And, and, and so full circle, uh, we'll be sure to put links of course. Uh, so it's all at balancebites.com, yeah. right? And it's just backslash meals. Uh, yeah. Balancebites.com. When does this episode air? I don't know. <laughs> We're we're in we're in april 1st okay so um, april 1st yep yeah just go to balancebites.com you'll be able to find it there we're working on a new a new ordering system than what we launched with but just head over to balancebites.com you'll see a link for the meals and you'll be able to get all the info and definitely come connect with me on social if you have questions anything but i have tons of faqs on the page and it's been super fun and i love it Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Diane, for taking the time to be on here today. I know that listeners definitely enjoyed it. And this brings to me a quote. I actually, this is kind of goosebumpy moment because I pulled this quote into today's podcast, but I feel like you made it come to life. So I'm just going to share it real quick. <laughs> it's life is so subtle. Sometimes you barely notice yourself walking through the doors you once prayed would open. Good. And I just feel like, right, right. That was like eerie. It's like, cause like the whole full circle. I didn't know the story of you doing meal prep before, but I was like, and here you are. And here we all are. <laughs> it is nothing but a testimony to just do the work, keep doing the work. You don't always have to know. So many people are planners. Um, I want to quote pretty woman right, right now. She's like, no, I'm not really a planner. I'm more of a fly by the seat of my pants kind of gal. Moment to moment, that's me. Like, that's me. <laughs> moment to moment, you know? I don't really know where I'm going. I just try to make sure that I'm really enjoying myself in the process. Um, even if it's writing a book and it's not enjoyable for just a few months, um, I really, really enjoy connecting with people, touring, <clears throat> seeing how my work affects somebody's life and really helps them. I mean, there is nothing better than those messages and emails of healing and health and I'm like crying showing my husband the phone like honey you know and you don't you just don't know <laughs> what you can do and whose life you can improve or affect um but you have to do the work and you have to be following you have to be following what your heart is telling you to do and not stay trapped in a corporate rat race if you're like this is slowly killing me every day because not only is it killing yeah. you, but it's keeping this thing that you are passionate about from helping other people. So you're basically like stealing from other people's potential to benefit from what you have to offer by not doing that thing every single day. So there's that. Just yeah. a little light note. Yes. Yes. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We'll be sure to put all links um, in the show notes. It's been so much fun. And I think we'll have to have you back to, uh, 
do like a highlight of Vanderpump and Real Housewives. Uh, maybe pull, maybe pull yeah. quotes of that. We'll take notes this season. <laughs> I, I have often joked that we wish that we, our voices were not that recognizable after you know almost eight years of a podcast because we're like, could we just start an anonymous Bravo podcast? <laughs> yeah. <Totally. laughs> People know our voices intimately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, girl. Thanks so much. Bye, you guys. Thanks, Thank Diane. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.